Dimity Smith. I think I said that right. And yes, she is the amazing woman behind Grow Events. Um, so she's a bit of a champion of rural communities and rural people. Um, so, Dimity, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're living and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am a 36-year-old female based in Tamworth in rural New South Wales. I am originally um, from Scone. My family are dairy farmers in Scone um, and I lived there um, my whole life except for boarding school and uni. Um, I have a business called Grow Events Group and we deliver event management, event marketing and event communications to corporates, mostly corporates and rural regional um, organisations wishing to engage with people in rural Australia and in agriculture and we do a lot of work with um, involvement to engage rural women as well um, and yeah I am uh, single at 36 I have a cat named Lily who is like a child and um, I yeah I, I love living in Tamworth. Yeah awesome actually I've had the privilege of attending um, one of Dimity's events and they are good fun high energy actually good good fun high yeah, energy. It is. It's, yeah I think that's what I like them to be it's just really good time. Yeah, definitely. So um, some people might uh, recognize your voice and also might have heard a little bit of your story from the amazing um, podcast Motherland. And to give Steph a shout out, she does amazing things for rural women. Um, But we wanted to talk a bit more about and get a bit more into your IVF journey um, as an independent, because I think one, there's been some change and growth and things have happened since the last time you talked about it. But two, it would be really quite good to get more in depth about the lack of services in your community and um, different ways in which you had to creatively navigate that process. Um, yeah. So I guess I want to take you to when you kind of started to think about IVF and freezing your eggs. How did that kind of occur to you? Yeah, so I think um, without, you know, um, reiterating too much from the Motherland podcast, uh, you know, people can go and listen to that, but I um, had a relationship end um, and I was at 33, 34 at the time and, I mean, I've, I've always wanted to be a mother. That's something that I feel like I have naturally always had maternal instinct and I'm always the one that has all my friends' kids jumping on me and having fun with me, so... Um, yeah, a few years ago, um, when the breakup happened, my mum sort of said to me, you know, he's not proposing the relationship, not looking great. Have you thought about freezing your eggs? And I had thought about it, but it was mid-COVID at the time. So it took like about sort of 12 months for it to even happen. Had my first round, um, and it wasn't that great. Like I think I got five, but then only three of them were suitable. And so I sort of um, was like, what am I going to do here? I had to make some lifestyle changes and manage some stress issues, um, which I did manage to do. And then I went for another round of egg freezing this year in January, which feels like years ago now, but it was this year. So tell me, what was your first port of call? Was it your GP or did you have girlfriends that you could first lean on? And were you still in that relationship when you first started navigating that? Um, I was still in the relationship. Um, I had been following Monash IVF on social for a while and I thought, oh, look, I might just give them a call. And I I did tell him that at the time that, you know, things weren't looking great, so I'm going to do this. And he was sort of a bit like, oh, right. So I think maybe he had thought, 
I was checking out a little bit at that point, but um, you know, that's that's a whole other story. Um, but I um I had a friends that had gone through the process and um and so I could chat to them, a few girlfriends um in Sydney that I went to school with. But not really um, many of my friends out here had done it purely for the focus of being like having egg frozen. I've had some friends go through IVF um, with their partners um, or on their own. Um, And so they were doing it purely for that conception purpose. So um, it was just, you know, a little bit different because it's kind of like a standalone single service. Um, So I had to go to my GP, get a referral um, for Sydney, but I had spoken to the nurses at Monash IVF to organise an initial appointment as well. But for me to be able to claim some of it on Medicare, I had to go through my GP to get that referral. Yeah, I imagine that would have been an interesting conversation with your GP or were they quite supportive? Oh, no, she has been encouraging me and asking me to do it for a long time. Oh, that's awesome because I think it's something forgotten. No, no, my doctor, she has been on to me about this for a long time. Like she has been the one that's been encouraging it. She's super proactive. Um, she's known me, I'd like to be my GP for 12 years. She's amazing. She's a young woman herself and has um, young family. Um, and yeah, she just sort of said to me like, you know, Dim, you know, I know you want babies. It's important to you. Let's just get them put away. Then they're frozen away and then you can just breathe. And she said, I know that if you don't, that you'll regret it. And um, and I, my parents were the same. And, and I think it's really interesting because it kind of made me anxious, like, oh, my God, I haven't I haven't got time. This is really concerning. Like, she's worried for me. Yeah, um, and I actually, yeah gosh. And, and I actually have had a few friends that have had their female GPs bring it up with them um, and, and encourage them to get it done. So I think... Um, it doesn't necessarily make the anxiety go away, but it kind of gives you that assurity that, okay, like if there is a problem as I get older, I have this as my backup. Yeah, that I have these eggs that I froze at this, you know, t- point in time. Um, tell me, why Monash? Did Do they have an outreach clinic there in Tamworth or was it no. friends? No, no. I just, I like to do my own independent research. Um and, you know, I guess the connection to Monash University in Melbourne, that's where it sort of started. Um, and I just liked that it was quite boutique. And the, I looked into the specialists that are there um, and I really liked what they did. So for me, having outreach in Tamworth doesn't really interest me because I, as sad as this is, I believe you need to go to the cities to get the best practitioners. That's just what I've always done. Um, you know, I, I go and stay with friends if I need to but I just rather than having a negative experience not all regional practitioners um you know are at the top of their game but I mean I I just figure if you're going to go and do it you go to the best and you do it once and um I'm really comfortable going to Sydney for that well I think this is actually really topical at the moment because there was an article that I was reading on the ABC about a young girl and we're going to interview her um soon in relation to how even in most cases, outreach is not offered, but even if it is, it's probably not the same service or the same caliber of service that's getting offered in the cities or choice and option is not there. So you either got a male clinician or you, you've only got a female clinician or, um, or you've got a locum that's barely there or, you know, you just don't know. And that, I don't know. I just always say like any medical procedure, I just go to Sydney. Yeah, it's not. I just say to my doctor, and she knows me now that 
she goes, right, no, you just go Sydney. Yeah. She knows that that's what I like and, um, you know, she helps me look at um, practitioners and I kind of just go, even my psychologist, she's in Sydney. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because that there aren't excellent psychologists out here. It's because I know I can get in next week and I don't have to wait and I can get bulk filled. And, you know, I just don't have those challenges that I have here in Tamworth with getting into um, services. Yeah, services. Like it's just, um, and even this year when I went and I, I was going to, um, I'm sure it'll be a question that comes up, but um, shall I share about my second egg freezing journey and what happened there? Yeah, because I think it's really interesting because in your first egg freezing journey, it didn't go how you anticipated, did it? No, no. Like when I, I was really sad and it was probably like only a few days after I had it done. I had my podcast with Steph and I probably feel highly hormonal. Um, but I, um, yeah, I only got those few eggs and I was devastated because in the, in the lead up to it and it had been such a drama and so stressful. Like, you know, I couldn't get into scans in Scone and then I had to go to Sydney, but then they weren't ready. And my, um, my hormonal process of, of where my, um, follicles were, it was really slow. Um, which, you know, um, meant that I had to wait a bit longer. But when they looked at it, I remember the quote being, you've got really juicy ovaries. And I was very excited by that. And they're like, look, we can probably see 16 or 18 follicles that look ready to go. This is awesome. And obviously then thinking, okay, well, follicles, that's a really great indicator of eggs. Um, not realizing that it's when the trigger shot happens, whether the eggs are actually good to go. Um, and in that, that process, it, it obviously just didn't work, but I actually think that my stress levels had a significant impact on that. Yeah. Whereas second time around, um, I went this year in January, I had had three weeks off work. I was really focused on keeping my stress levels as low as I possibly could. I just wanted to be rested and relaxed. I had an event that was coming up in February, which was going to tie in with the time of my retrieval. I just decided to have an event manager, a friend step in and I locked her in as event manager for that event because I was like, I don't care. I just know that she'll be there and she'll do a good job so that it didn't put that pressure on me to be stressed about how am I going to get work done for an event. Um, um, sounds like I, you really reflected on that first collection and made a few changes. Yeah. So you, you, stress was one. Yeah. That, were there other things that you changed or services you sorted? Yeah, I I went and stayed in Sydney for the majority of the sort of your first eight days is really like getting um, blood tests done um, every second day, and then that determines any increases in medication. So this second time around, they started me off on a slightly higher dose that wasn't ridiculous. Uh, but just a slightly higher dose. And then when it came to, when you sort of get to day 8, 10, that's when they get you to do scans every second day. And in Tamworth, same as in Scone where I was at my parents' place, it's an absolute nightmare to get into a sonographer. Whereas at Monash IVF, as part of the cost of the process, it includes your scan and your blood. And so... That's what I had a question for is, is that an extra cost to rural patients that if they're... Um, having to use external providers to Monash. And I know when I've had pregnancy scans that, and I've had them done externally to whoever my obstetrician is in Sydney, um, I know that they're always not confident with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, correct. And that was the issue and that was what my doctor had said. He's like, yeah, you can go to other places, but 
they're not going to be the specialists that I want you to see. I want them to nail this and know exactly what's going on. And that was the issue with the first round was that the sonographers I was going, I, I was seeing in Tamworth, they weren't. Um, they don't do IVF every single day. No, no. And so he was like, okay, I know this is difficult, but can I get you at least Sydney to Newcastle anywhere? But it can't be. Just please don't go back to where you went to before because it's a waste of time and of your money. And I was like, yeah, right. So I, for the second round, I went and stayed at my best friend's place. She lives at Taramara. So when she would go to work in the morning, I'd come with her on the train and I'd go and have my scan and my blood. And then I just went and worked from WeWork down at Barangaroo. Oh, and it was the great. worst. I know. I was like, this is so cool. Like in my lunch break, I went for a walk down to the harbour. Like I just did all that I could to keep myself as relaxed and happy and low drama as possible. Whereas when I was in Tamworth the first round, like I would go and get the blood done. They wouldn't get there in time. Like, you know, it was just, they're like, where are your bloods? We're trying to follow them up. Like it was a nightmare even for them. So this second time around, I knew what I had to do. And I think that that was part of the reason why I ended up having a much better round. I ended up getting 10 eggs and, you know, I'd gone in going, if I just get one, I'll be happy. I'll just, I'll be happy if I have one egg. Anyway, and I got in there and um, when they came out, I actually, I had this absolutely, absolute babe. He was um, a gay guy who was my um, anaesthetist. He was so good looking and I was like, oh my God, he's so hot and he's so fun. Anyway, and then I came out and, and I was, I asked the lady, I was like, how many did I get? And she's like, you got 10. And I started crying because I just couldn't believe it. And Anyway, so I thought, look, even if I got five of those ten, because they ring you a few hours later and tell you um, after the embryologist has looked at them. Um, and, um, and yeah, and they rang me and they were like, we have great news. All ten are perfect and we're freezing them all. Um, so I just, again, cried some more, partially hormones, partially I think just genuine relief. Yes. <laughs> Um, and so, yes, I was in the car with my mum and, come, you know, still coming out of the anaesthetic and sleeping in the car and just being just so overjoyed by the fact that I knew that I was happy with that and I'm, I'm not going to go back for another round. And, um, yeah, I, I got my 10, so I've got a baker's dozen in the freezer now. That's awesome. Because I think it would be really easy for people to just assume that when you talk about stress, you're talking about work stress. But I actually think that that's more complex than that, that I think a lot of, um, now that you've developed some health literacy around IVF, that actually the, the IVF itself was causing a lot of stress with managing it that, from your location. Yeah. Absolutely. That, I would say, was the most stressful part, was the the worry about, okay, where am I going to get my blood? Are they going to get in time? Where am I getting my scans done? Is it going to be suitable for what they need to know? Am I going to have to go to Sydney an extra three days? Can I get the scans done in Scone? Okay, am I going to have to go back to Sydney? Like there was just a whole lot of rigmarole in that that caused it to be so much more stressful. Whereas this time around, the second time around, I knew what to expect. I knew how I could keep myself super calm. I culled back a lot of stuff in life when I was just busy rushing around and whatever. Um, and I managed to sort team members to be able to manage the other part of work, um, you know, and 
and even the last time around, I was super religious, didn't drink. I was super careful with what I ate. Whereas this time around, I was like, well, if I'm going to be out with a friend, I'm going to have a glass of wine. If that's what I want, I'll keep it to red wine. I won't overdo it. Um, and I'll just have fun. And I, I just really think that it was really about, a, and I also had lost some weight before it as well. That helped too. Um, but yeah, I think, I think stress played, played a huge, huge part, you know, in, in the process. And that's really hard because cost is obviously prohibitive to whether or not you can go and make that commitment, you know, yeah. in every way, shape or form of whether or not you can have the time off work or away from the farm or be able to get down in Sydney and pay for the accommodation. So that's really hard when you think the only way to navigate that is to go and stay in Sydney or Newcastle yeah. or whatever the major, like, you know, you're talking Tamworth, we would say that was a regional centre now. So, you know, we're not talking rural, remote, we're talking regional and you've had to still go on to the big city to be able to navigate it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's the that's the challenge. However, I mean, look, I will say there are a lot of options. I know, I think it's Jenea, they do Tamworth. Um, yeah. And lots of people have said that that's been a really great experience for them. Um, and that's, that's awesome. But I knew that I wanted to go through Monash IBS um, because of the fact that, um, you know, there's some schools of thought that those bigger organisations that just pop into Tamworth, they just have a recipe that they go, yeah, we'll just give you this drug, off you go. Whereas I felt Monash, it felt more boutique to me. And that's um, a choice and option as well, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt really um, grateful to have that. And I also have private health. Um, and so that really helped things too. So, I mean, I know I'm fortunate to be able to have a friend that I can stay with. Whereas, like, last time I just stayed at a hotel, but then that was back and forth to Sydney and that was a nightmare. Um, but I do think, yeah, that, um, that yeah, I'm fortunate that, that, that I have those options. But I do know that there are other options that are available that are in Tamworth, but I wanted that choice. And how have you found... Um, speaking out about the process of maybe going it alone? Because I think, I mean, you've been given choices and options. And I, and I think that leads me into the other question that I'd like to ask you is, like, you have a baker's dozen, as you say, in the freezer. What are the statistics around that? Because I know, like, we spoke with Soph a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about, like, when she was, like, in her early 20s, she froze eggs. And you know, none of them came to. What are the statistics yeah. that they're telling you around the technology now, around the issues? Yeah. Like I think they say that for you to have an 80% chance of having a child, you need to have at least 13 eggs in the freezer. Okay, cool. Right? That's pretty good stuff. So that's a good stat, yes. However, however, I'm under no impression that 13 eggs means that I'm definitely in. Yeah. Like, you know... It depends on, you know, if I was to get a sperm donor or if I was um, with someone that those embryos once fertilised, like they've got to survive the defrosting. Like, that, you know, there's so many hoops still to jump through. And I think thinking that, um, you know, that it's a guarantee is extremely naive. Like, I'm under no impression that that's the set and forget, like I'm absolutely fine um, because, um, it, I mean, anything can happen, and particularly as you get over 35, like the, the risk um, associated with pregnancy continues to, to increase and the chance of falling pregnant declines further and further. So I think um, I, 
you know, I'm hopeful that, yes, 13 is a great number. But again, like anything can happen and, and you just don't know. Like, I mean, some people say they that it's only a 50% chance of getting pregnant. But I'm hopeful that, again, with more years and I'm not, and, and you ask the question, like, how do you feel about talking about it? Um, I am in two camps about it. The, the female camp where I have friends that are in the same boat as me and have listened to the podcast and people that have messaged in the same boat are really grateful and that makes me really happy that that's been something of value to those people and even if it's two or three people that say that really helped me, that's awesome. In the other side, and I I talked to you about this before we recorded, I was chatting to some people and this guy when I was in Canberra last week and I'd been on a date and I was really hopeful and anyway, that's nothing now. But there was another guy that I'd um, just seen through a work context and and it came up about what would you want to do if you weren't in the career that you're in? And I said, oh, well, I'd be an interior designer or a stylist or I would be a mother. And he said, well, how old are you? I said, I'm 36. And he goes, you're fucked. And feel free to beat that out if you want to. And he goes, you're fucked what you know there's no way that you're going to meet someone at your age and be able to have a child because you'd have to bring it up too quickly and you'd freak them out and um yeah there's no guy that that wants that in their life you know you need a few years at least and then if you're with someone and they don't want kids you're fucked too so you're screwed i was like awesome thank you that's that's a really lovely perspective um I'd like and to think that's, that's not overarching the male perspective, but I'm sure that no, there are position <laughs> there are people out there like he's just taken his own lens and put it over you, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And for I that. think that I know you know, I was like, Thanks for that. That's really kind. Um, but But I also then that, that that you know, you freeze your eggs, that dampens the clock ticking, right? It doesn't stop yeah, the clock does. ticking, it, it dampens it. it. it, it but then you yeah, have people like this putting their own lens across your 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 narrative and then that would make the clock feel more urgent again, I guess. It does. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is like, you know, and I said, you know, there's the camp that that message me and say thank you that's really great that you've talked about that but then there's also this other side that I'm like oh my god these guys must think I'm a psycho that I'm like this boiler bunny like ready to bloody breed next week which is not the case I think there's definitely conversations but given that I have the eggs frozen I'm I'm really happy if there's someone that I meet and and we're on the right page then I'm happy to give it a little bit of time like I don't need to have this happen in six months time like and and that was one of the things that I spoke about on the podcast when I was with Steph doing um, Motherland was that I wanted to give myself till 37 and I'm 37 next March um, in 2024 but as I also said to you off, off phone um, like I gently I gently just highlighted that too um Divini when we're off the phone like hi I just wondered what you know where you're at on your timeline because you know you gave yourself these goals and these deadlines when you last recorded and I'm just wondering where you're at with that. Yeah, and so I've, I've, you know, had this open discussion with friends and family, and 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 people are so supportive. Whatever I want, they fully back me. My girlfriends, my family, my mum and dad, like they're fully supportive. But I've come to the decision that I am ready if I meet someone. Definitely, like I really want that partnership with someone and to create a family with someone. Um, and a life with someone. Um, but 
I'm not ready yet to have a baby on my own. And um, because I think too, there's other ducks that need to line up and my business is still very much in a big growth phase and it's going really well and I'm really happy in my work, but there's got to be, you know, the ability to A, support my team and be able to take time off and really be a solid mother and dedicate time to my child. And I want to be in that mind frame where I know that I'm not half-assing it and trying to tick a box. Like I want this to be the exact right plan and decision. And of course, there's no right time, but there's just a few more things I've just like lined up before I do if I need to take that that path. Yeah, I think that's. I think that conversation is really interesting because when you have frozen your eggs and you're starting to think about going down the path of maybe doing it alone you're also then from a rural perspective making the commitment again okay well I'm essentially now incurring the additional financial cost of having to camp down in Sydney again yeah yeah so I think you know like again I've I've got wonderful friends and family and um, you know if I can combine a few work meetings down there it's a tax deductible expense if I'm in Sydney but um but yeah like I think and I've said this before that that expense doesn't worry me if it means that I have a have a you know family and a beautiful wonderful child um, that is um, is going to be in my life. So that yeah, that doesn't. I'll I'll find a way. That's the thing. Like yeah, it's a it's a price to pay for for what I want to be able to give to and a family. I don't want to push you, and I and I certainly don't want to make you put a goal no, or a deadline in place. It. But I'm I I have friends who have kind of essentially nearly maybe miss their boat even with their frozen eggs because that when it came push to shove you know there's no perfect time as you're saying the boat had nearly sailed again as well does that make sense on their physical fertility outside of the fact of their eggs is there a point or something that you're looking for is it more that gut feeling yeah I think look I'm kind of working through this myself that if it weren't to happen I have a wonderful life and I have two beautiful nephews that I just adore and I have so much love to give to them that if I did miss the boat or that my body decided yeah you might have eggs but body's just like no I'm not conceiving um I've started to think about what that life might look like and I'm not going to let it panic me yeah, because I'm really content with knowing that I can have a glorious life. And whilst yes, I think there'll be some regret, I don't think that there's anything that I can change right now. Um, because a, I, I need to have the money to be able to take time out of my business. Because otherwise, who's going to pay my mortgage? Exactly. Uh, I don't have a month to back up and pay for me. Um, whilst I go on maternity leave and. Um, yeah, like I I think that's probably where I'm at is that I have tried to think, okay, what would my life look like if this doesn't happen or if I don't meet someone or if I can't get to that point? I certainly don't want to, you know, push it. I've, I've got heaps of friends that have had kids in their early 40s and that's great. Um, but that's, you know, I think if they can conceive, that's wonderful. But it's definitely something in it that's in my mind that in the next few years that, that I'll be, um, I mean, I'm positioning the business for that point. Yeah. So that 
you know, I've the way I've created Grow and the family environment I've created at Grow with people being able to have kids and go on maternity leave but work flexible hours and work flexible days. Like that's the whole point because I've wanted that work environment for myself in years to come. Um, but if I don't, I definitely know that I can still have a really wonderful life and my nephews are just going to get way more spoilt and taken on holidays and travelling doing fun things with me. <laughs> yeah. More out. So there's a thought that has occurred. It has occurred. God, yeah. If there was a rural woman out there listening to this in her mid to late 30s and she was thinking about freezing her eggs, what would be some of the advice that you would give to her? Just bloody do it. Stop procrastinating. Just bloody do it. Like stop thinking about it and thinking it's this big deal and you need to make this big life decision. Just do it. It should be no different than you going to the doctor and getting a health checkup. Um, obviously, there's the financial impact, yes, but half of that you can claim back from Medicare, which is great. But if it is something that's really important to you, stop making a drama out of it and just go and get it done. That's, that's it, really. Just yeah. get up, do it, get on with it. Just get it done, get on with it. There's, you know, like the more you procrastinate, the more that you're going to build it into this big thing and the more it will become more difficult. Just get it done and move on with your life and know that you've got that security there if you need it um, and just kind of keep on going. That's just, I think the first time around that, that I did my egg freezing, it really felt like, oh my God, such a big deal. This is so massive. Um, but really now I look at it after doing it twice and I'm like, really, it's not a big deal. Like you just, it's, it's the same as, you know, I don't know, getting a procedure if you've got a sore shoulder and you know you've got to get it done. you just got to book it in with your doctor and see your specialist and get it sorted. That's, that's kind of the approach that I think people need to have. And, yeah, get on with it. Revolt, um, go back to um, the good old pragmatics of rural women. Just make a plan and do it. Problem yeah, solve it. sort it out. Like the more you procrastinate, the more room there is for shit to go wrong. Just get on with that, and um, I don't know. Like I think that's the thing. I've just, I've just tried really hard to just go. Well, you just got to kind of make the most of what you're dealt, and try and do the best that you can with what you've got. Absolutely, Dimity. Where's the next big event that people can find you or um, come and and be a part of a grow event? Well, as part of my own health and wellbeing management. I've actually, and I haven't actually publicly shared this, but I'm actually not going to do something for International Women's Day next year. No way. So, I know. Look at me doing self-care. So, what I've realised is that there are wonderful events in the community that are happening. There's lots of community groups that do wonderful things, probably more meaningful things than what we do at Grow. Um, And it was something that was becoming such a massive thing, and I just didn't know whether for context you're getting three or four events yeah I did four events in the one week this year in March which was just quite silly um but I mean amazing and I love doing them and I love the communication that comes from them and the conversations in the community as a result of them um but I think there's there's enough awareness around it now um there's lots of other community events that are that are great and I I'm transitioning into investing that love into my clients who want to do International Women's Day events. So I've got one coming up for a client that'll be announced soon. Um, but I also do love Rural Women's Day in October and, and that really fits 
um, and aligns best with Glow. So that'll that'll continue in October. But yeah, there was just a lot of work that went into them, and I just sort of kept thinking, is this really the best use of time? And and could I do more in I don't know donating to a women's shelter that that money or that time that you know could that be more valuable? Um, and so rather than spending a week of traveling around the countryside and and doing lots of different things, I thought, well maybe I can invest in a different way next year. So you're not doing uh, International Women's Day during March next year, but yeah. I there's something pretty major that you might be working on for rural mums anyway during that period. Yes, we are so thrilled to be the event management partner for Motherland National Conference in Launceston next year. So that's taking place on Friday the 1st and Saturday the 2nd of March in Lonnie. And um, it's been so wonderful working with um, there's still some tickets available, but definitely want to snap them up so you don't miss out. But um, we've got two days of incredible speakers like Sam Bloom, Jessica Rowe, Maggie Dent. <laughs> Excuse me, now I'm coughing. Um, getting excited about it, but um, but it's honestly it's going to be incredible, and and just even being able to go down to Tasmania is such a great opportunity. And um, yeah, and there's still also room too for people to get involved in terms of. If you've got a gift that you want to put in the gift bag or sponsor, um, yeah, there's lots of amazing opportunities. It's going to have such huge reach all around Australia. So really excited for that. And, um, yeah, just jump onto the Motherland website um, to get your ticket. Yeah, I know. I've um, been watching the speakers get announced slowly and slowly and getting more and more excited. I actually sent, sold it to my husband as it was a work conference. So yeah, uh, it look, kind of... I think that's- Kinda has that vibe. <laughs> yeah, conference vibe. I think that that will definitely be claimed by a few people. So, um, yeah, no, I think, um, I think that'll be a winner. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, who knows? So, so that's on. Um, there's actually um, National Ag Day, and this this podcast might come out after it, but National Ag Day is on the seventeenth of um, November, which is next week, and doing a little campaign um, with campgrounds in Tamworth about. Um, getting people to share um, share our um, posts about World Ag Day. Um, and obviously, as, as someone from the dairy industry, um, I'm going to be paying for coffee for people in Tamworth Oh, World Ag and Day. Around. I might even have to just come down the hill I to get some of that. Around. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, what can I do? Get people to promote World Ag Day, or National Ag Day, I should say, and um, and get a free coffee if they share things. To their, um, the posts that we do to their story. So um, that's um, going to be on next Friday in Tamworth. So that's something just a little bit of fun. That sounds like a heap of fun. Well, thank you so much for coming and updating us and, and talking about IVF and, and how to navigate it as a rural woman when you're doing it by yourself. I think it's a really important conversation. And I, and I think, um, as you said before, you're happy to have people reach out and ask questions. And Yeah, definitely. Always happy if they want to message me at Grow Events Group on um, Instagram. That's probably the best way to reach me. And, yeah, always happy to chat. Thank you so much, Dimini. No worries at all. Thanks, Dan. Her Herd recognises the traditional lands and waters on which this podcast was recorded.